Welcome to Alena Kaslova, the Belarusian uh, writer sitting next to me. And welcome to you in the audience and to the listeners to your podcast. Uh, Alena Kaslova is a Belarusian writer. She's now a writer in residence here in Longibien. She's uh, nominated by the Norwegian PEN. Um, and we will talk about her literature, about language, and what she calls herself life, the literature, and the language in between. And uh, you uh, wrote a book, and we're going to talk about the book now. It's called To the Snow-Covered Isle. Mm. And uh, it's about Sweden. Yeah. So you went from uh, Belarus to Sweden. Why? Why did you go there? Yeah, that's an interesting story. I think uh, the language uh, in my case is not only the tool, but also uh, in some way a topic um, on what I write. And also everything. This book started actually from the language. I didn't plan to go to Sweden. I didn't plan to um, to write the book we are talking about today. Uh, it happened like in um, 2014. Uh, I had a, a very difficult year. And uh, the main thing that happened that my mother was in the hospital. So I have everyone in the family was uh, taking care about her. My sister spent her uh, vacation uh, taking care of my mother, and then it was my turn. And uh, as I was very down, and uh, I had to visit my mom in the hospital two times a day. So um, I, 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 I wanted to have something to, to do, like to feel better in this situation when I thought maybe I, I have to start to do something uh, new to develop myself, like to feel that I, I'm going to somewhere. And I, I, long ago I had this idea of learning one more foreign language and I couldn't decide which one. I, I was choosing between like, Polish and Finnish and Swedish and German, uh, Lithuanian, which one. But then Right at that point, I decided that I will study Swedish because there were many free uh, um, online resources uh, to study Swedish. And I actually had many colleagues and friends in Sweden, so uh, finally I started to learn Swedish. So I, I used mobile apps, and when I w was waiting for the bus to go to my mom, uh, to the hospital, I just learned the words. And it was like, uh, the language in that case was a kind of a salvation. I tried, to sa I tried to save myself by learning the language. So I did it so intense. And um, it was, I'm, was amazed, it was something amazing to do, to learn something new. So I was very quick in learning the language. And because if you are so motivated, you know, you don't want to do anything else, just learning the language. And in a year and a half, I was able to write a motivation letter. And I wrote a motivation letter 
uh, when I learned there is an opportunity to study Swedish in Sweden. And I finally, suddenly I received a fellowship that I, and that's how I got to Sweden. And it was uh, a very strange situation that I didn't expect. So I, I didn't know I, I, where I am actually. There was a Folkhögskola. Yeah, did you didn't know what that no. was? No. I had no idea what is uh, f the system of Folkhögskolas in, uh, in Sweden and in other Nordic countries. I just came to, to learn the language and that's all. Yeah, and what is the Folkhögskola? What were you surprised by? Uh, um, I, I just uh, I, I had no explanation. I, I was just, you know, uh, I saw young people uh, who are uh, trying, like they did not finish their secondary education. So the Polkhok school is something when you can uh, finish the secondary education if you had some difficulties in in uh, finishing it in uh, ordinary school. So it's like system of schools that can work with different conditions uh, like anxiety people that have anxiety uh, or uh, some uh, kind of disorders maybe of mm. autistic spectrum and so on but I didn't know that I just uh, um, or did you think that you were going to university <laughs> no I, I didn't know no. at all okay. no. so I I, I, I uh, I, I got to the international group where people came from all over the world and it was also a very uh, unusual situation for me um, because Belarus is a very homogeneous country where I checked in the internet we are 83% Belarusians uh, and all the others like majority uh, minorities are Russians and Ukrainians and Polish people so we, this is a very white country um so it was uh so something very unusual for me to to meet so many people from all over the world we had uh, folk from uh, uh, people from uh, syria from iran from iraq from china from japan from russia uh, from african countries like somalia um and uh, also there was very friendly atmosphere uh, our, we, our group still thinks that we maybe you are the best group ever <laughs> our folk school had because I think if, if the whole world communicated like us so there were no problems at all in the world so we could understand each other very well mm. uh, even if uh, we, we didn't share the same uh, uh, mother tongue but we all only could speak bad Swedish <laughs> all of us but we didn't have any uh, problems in communication when did you decide that this would be a book I decided very quickly because I understood that there is something interesting going on and um, also I felt I felt very strange because before I came to study in Sweden I always talked English in Sweden and uh, my usual circle of communication were my colleagues so I didn't feel, feel anything different either I'm in Belarus or in Sweden but when I came to Folkhögskola I f f 
suddenly found myself isolated and uh, like in the situation when I lost my name, no one knew me. Uh, I like someone who has no status, someone who has to establish and introduce herself from the very beginning. Like you start from zero and I was 35 and most of uh, the students in the school were around uh, Swedish students were around their 20, 20s, like 19, 20, it was the most popular uh, age. So it was also a strange experience, like being an adult uh, who starts something from the very beginning. And, and did I have any uh, reason to start something from the very beginning? I don't know. Also, I felt... Um, it's interesting that I felt uh, this big distance that uh, people keep among themselves in Sweden. Um, I, I felt uh, many of us had Swedish neighbors, uh, roommates, and I also had my Swedish neighbor, and she was a nice girl, but I thought that we are very different. I th and I put it into the book. I, I, I wrote that, yes, it feels like we are very different maybe that's why we cannot be like big friends and but something that is interesting that the same explanation i heard about uh, their like roommates from my class uh class comrades mm. uh classmates like a somali girl she also said that yes my neighbor is very nice but maybe we are very different and my Syrian friend also said that, yeah, my neighbor is a very nice girl, but maybe we are very different. But the interesting point was, like, there was no difference. We didn't feel different among each other in, in our, no different, in whether we are from Syria, from Iran, from Belarus, and from Japan, but everyone felt different in this country. And this is important i think issue because uh, the situation of coming into the country uh maybe this unites us this experience of like we are new in this country and that's why we are uh, we are in the same position mm. um so that's uh, that was interesting psychologically like i i like to uh, to observe myself and to think about how I feel and what are my thoughts about the situation. And it was immediately I understood that I want to write about it. Yeah. Because the world is changing and people are moving around and people are seeking new places to live because um, and now there will be also in as the climate change, more, more and more people can change places to live and Belarus will get p new people. Mm. So I thought also that, my God, the world is changing and Belarus is not ready at all. And maybe the whole of Eastern Europe is not ready and they <laughs> need my experience. And I thought so, uh, that, yes, I, I want to share my experience. I want to share that. Um, I want to people in Belarus to see uh, people from other countries uh, like people like 
to have this personal experience of communicating to people because we live in Russian information field where we often get this uh, information that um, you know like a kind of a propaganda that we are surrounded by enemies like, and people get this they get scared uh, they get scared of something that they do not know they, they did not see didn't met in didn't meet in their lives as i said that we are a very homogeneous country uh, that's why i i thought that yes i mm. want to write a book but did it make a discussion did something happen in belarus after your book because uh, yeah yeah the the reactions uh, followed and uh, so usually i have to explain that uh, the belarusian uh, the, the like belarusian book market is a very special it we we, we often say that it doesn't exist but it actually exists but it's small so there are not that many readers who read in belarusian uh, so there are Usually there are no that many discussions about Belarusian books. But uh, I was happy that uh, people, when they read my book, they wanted to share their experience. It was very unusual because uh, some, like people whom I didn't expect to uh, express their opinions, they started to write about, when I, about the book in social media and Facebook. Uh, I got many reviews in both in uh, independent media and also even in the state media. So people wanted to share their experience. Uh, they like everyone. Interesting was that everyone started to talk about themselves. It was like uh, kind of a therapy. I don't know. They like yes, I. Uh, I lived this. Uh, I got this experience that she shared with me, and what this is, what I think, it was like that to me. So there was discussion. There were discussions, and I, I'm happy about that. And but, and just recently, I got a new uh, review from a historian uh, who never uh, ever wrote any re book reviews. So. This is what I like, that mm. people cannot keep it for themselves. They want to share mm. their reading experience. This is important. And the book is two years old. Uh, I talked to one uh, writer, from a Swedish writer recently, who told me that Swedish publishers used to say that the book lives three months. So just three months, it is actual, and then the interest it goes down, but then the book is two years old and it still gets, gets reviews. It means something, I think. Really good, congratulations. That Thank must be a you. good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you wanted to change, make a change. Yeah. And you're actually doing that. I hope so. Yeah. And, and this book was based on a poem. Oh. Or the ti at least the title is... Yeah. Do you want to read that to us? Uh, yes. I, it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's based, but I think it's the poem is uh, connected somehow with the book. It's a poem by uh, Thomas Tranströmer, the Swedish poet, and I had so much uh, loneliness 
uh, in Sweden, that this is maybe the good position to start reading poetry. So it was a uh, transformer. It, it felt like he was a friend whom I could talk because I took his poem and I translated it. It took a long time to translate several poems. Um, and the, in one of them I found it, it's very close to me. I will read it um, in English, uh, maybe because we are, today mm. we are talking English. Uh, in uh, I found the translation of Robert, Robin Robertson. The poem is called From March 1979 and sounds like that. Seek of those who come with words, words, but no language. I make my way to the snow-covered island. Wilderness has no words. The unwritten pages stretch out in all directions. I come across this line of dear slots in the snow. A language, language without words. And the, the story of this uh, poem is, is, as far as I know, that the family of Transtromer, they owned a cabin on the island. And when he was tired of uh, politicians talking, uh, coming with words, but no language, he was tired of senselessness. He tried to seek the salvation in the wilderness on this island, and he found sense, found the language in the, in the prints left by the deer in the snow. So uh, I felt it's quite uh, like close to me, like uh, mm. something. And I also can interpret this poem uh, through, uh, through my experience uh, because um, I got a review in uh, Often Blooded and um, Galina Lindquist uh, wrote it and uh, she wrote it um, maybe the, she interpreted this like those who come in, uh, who, those who are sick in the language and lack the words, uh, they are uh, coming with words, words, but uh, have no language. It's just those students whom, uh, who study Swedish, maybe. It, it was her interpretation and it, it has the right to be. But I see it in different way. Like we just on the opposite, that we we were learning the words and we were lacking the Swedish words, but we had the language. Uh, we had the language uh, in this sense that we could communicate, we could establish contact with each other. And it, uh, I still think that uh, those, uh, my fellow students, uh, my like friends and uh, this was very supportive to mm. have them there in mm. Sweden and so this is uh, why I I have chosen this name and this snow-covered island is also this picture of um, place where you come and there is no one you, you find no one there like I, as I said I experienced Loneliness. So I, I thought that's a nice image of the country. And w what is this snow-covered island? Is this a Sweden? Is it Belarus? Or it can be Belarus as well, because 
we have a lot of questions uh, connected to how we perceive people from uh, people from who come to live mm. in our country and how they will be accepted here. It's a beautiful poem yeah. and a beautiful title to choose. Well, you said you felt lonely when you went to Sweden. Mm. I just wondered, how did you feel when you came to Longyearbyen mm. to stay here in the dark season? Did you have some of the same feelings? Uh, trying to speak Norwegian maybe in a Norwegian society or... Uh, it felt uh, interesting in the way that it was really a snow-covered island. Yeah, <laughs> and every many people noticed that. Okay, now she's going to real snow-covered island, um, and this is something that felt like this meant to happen after this title. But uh, yeah, this is a very special experience. But I I feel completely different here. Uh, and I have another feeling that I uh, quite at home, I would say, um, in spite of the darkness, <laughs> I feel very nice. Yeah, good, good to hear. And when you write, you don't use your own name; you have a pen name. Mm. Why? Why is that? It's uh, Anka Upala. Yeah. This is a big question because uh, I've been mean, big topic to to talk about because I started as a very experimental writer. I was 17, and I lived in uh, Magilov, which is a it is not the capital; it is a regional center in the east of Belarus. And I didn't have, I didn't meet any Belarusian writers. I thought they are all dead in only in uh, books in textbooks. I could read Belarusian literature. It was about village and about war, these big topics important for Belarusian literature. But I was uh, grew, grew up in the city. I didn't know this uh, life described in this literature. So I wanted to create something new. I, I thought that, okay, I'll be, if there is no one, I'll be someone to create new literature. And... Uh, I I took the name of a classic of Belarusian literature. His name was Janka Kupala. And I I experimented with the language. It, I, I was I think I was inspired mostly by John Lennon text. He he has a text that called Nicely Nicely Clive, where he takes the English proverbs and set expressions and combines them into a very absurd text that is uh, difficult to translate but it has uh, a plot it, it's interesting how it sounds so I also did quite the same thing like I, I, I experimented with uh, Belarusian words and, and with the name Janka Kupala I also like I, I broke it I broke the, the beginning uh, the first sounds I, I took them away from, and I got a female name it also it sounds like female name in Belarusian and it also has a meaning uh, like a sentence it, it sounds like Anka fell down mm. so it's a little bit like it it suited the way how I wrote in, when I was 17 but then 
I changed the way I, I write now because I, I, I have changed as a person, but I think the pen name is okay and, and I, I like it. And there is something in it like you take the this big n male name, which is like, you know, dead white men, and you make a female name. So, voila, you have new, <laughs> new literature. You're welcome. Like, so you're kind of blowing life into the Belarusian literature again. I, I hope so. I yeah. don't know how. It's up to readers to decide. Yeah. But this was but can the you, idea. Can you say what happened to the Belarusian literature? Why are they? Why are there so few people writing in Be Belarusian today? Can you say something more about that? Oh, the language uh, situation is difficult because um, I think it started. It, it's all because of our complicated history, because we were at the western border of the uh, USSR, Soviet Union, and actually it, it has to be, it had to be very quiet territory with no protests and no national identity needed. So every national, uh, uh, national identity was suppressed and we had many repressions uh, in in Stalin time many cult people of culture and people of literature they were just killed even not deported like in in other Soviet countries Soviet republics many people were deported and from Belarus they also they were deported but also many were killed just because they were educated and they wanted to to write in Belarusian uh, language. So you can imagine if you kill the whole generation of writers, what 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 is left then? You have to recover. It's it's a very uh, problematic and difficult. Uh, history. That's why I, I st we still have problems with identity, national identity. We are so much late in 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 Europe. We are in the center of Europe. Everyone is far away. For, uh, like they know who they are, but Belarusians are still hesitate who they are because of that history. And um, so. That's why uh, that's why we have this language issue. So, uh, but still, we have new uh, Belarusian writers who choose to write in, in the Belarusian writers. Why do they choose to write? Yeah, it's a question. I I can only answer for myself because I I I, I was raised in Russian-speaking family, in Russian-speaking city. But I think I had this very strong feeling of uh, something that that something is so much unfair with our culture, and and this was a kind of a. I don't think it was a decision, well thought decision. It was just more intuitive choice of the language. Mm. I think the language sometimes it it acts like an animal, like it 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 grabs you. And you don't understand why, but but that was the language that takes the decision, not you. Why you start to to use it? But did you study? Do do the kids learn Belarusian in school? Yeah, they learn it in school. We started from the th third grade when I was nine, but before I read 
uh, books in Belarusian that my mother bought me. So Belarusian is talked by the uh, people in uh, villages, old people, and also the people of culture mostly. And and now also in uh, in the capital uh, and and big cities there are youth. Mm. Uh, there is youth who, that chooses Belarusian language because they also they have this feeling of this uh, this is unfair that we we had to lose our heritage. Um, Would you say there is a blossom that there are more voices coming or? It, it's my own uh, opinion that the war in Ukraine also like it pushed also the national issue in Belarus because people. It's maybe it's not that uh, how to say clear, clearly pronounced for ev like. Also, it's it can be intuitive thing, but you feel like the country is the national culture is defined by the national culture. If you have the national culture, which is based on the national language, no one will say that you are a part of something. Uh, other mm. that you 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 are the your own center, not the part of Russia, for example. So if we have our own culture and we have our own language, so no one can say that we we are not Belarusian mm. if we have this. So I think that's why people yes they sometimes they not everyone but many they choose to speak and to, to work in Belarusian language. Mm. And you chose to publish your book only in Belarusian, so it's it's not in Russian. No, never no. in Russian. No. I never uh, even like thought, uh, I never th thought so much about that, why, but it's just natural that mm. I, I do that in Belarusian. But could you... Uh, yeah. Could you read some for us? Yeah. So we can listen to some, some of that Belarusian language. Uh, I, I, I will read uh, an extract from uh, this book. Uh, so it's I, I will tell that this something that happened uh, to me and my two black friends uh, from the school. So we were uh, going to go back to the uh, dormitory after we had uh, excursions in Stockholm and it was late in the evening. So that was happened. I told the policewoman that we had been in the fast food joint on the railway station for about 20 seconds before it all happened. I realize now that it was probably no more than three or four seconds. Tunti was the first to enter. I went in after her and then Faton came hobbling, hobbling in. We wanted to wait in the warmth in the warm for about 10 minutes until our train arrived, but didn't even have time to grab some seats. Behind me, I suddenly heard some men growling and snarling, sounds of fighting, furniture being thrown around. I turn around, and what do I see? Faton standing between two men like a flame in her red jacket and the striped hat on her curly head with both well-nigh transparent arms raised. She's blocking the way so they can't get at each other. Stop it. What are you doing? The top of her head barely reaches the shoulders of the man in front of her. This is a powerfully built white guy of about 60, wearing glasses and a cap. 
His long gray hair has been gathered into a ponytail at the back and there is a nasty piggish expression on his face. At the next moment he raises his arm and, I cannot believe what I'm seeing, punches Fatun. She falls backwards onto a table covering her face with her hands. The guy swings his leg but there are chairs in the way preventing him from kicking her. It's amazing the number of things you can think about in a single moment. I thought that it would make things worse if I hit him. If the worst does come to the worst, I'm ready to wallop him on the head from behind with a chair. I find myself next to them, take Fatun by the shoulders and draw her to one side with the words Vigor, 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 we are leaving. There is a plastic bag dangling from my wrist with the souvenirs I had bought in the Museum of Science and Technology. The guy is still hurling himself in all directions and yelling like a madman. In the very next moment, an old white block with hair the color of a heria hawk. He has to lean on a seamer frame when he walks. Announces that this bloke with a pig face almost had his rucksack nicked just now, so check to see you have still got your wallets. The old bloke showed no interest whatsoever in how Faton was. After speaking with Tunti, I asked the staff to call the police. Tunti says that we shouldn't bother with the train, we'll wait for the police. The security people block the exit. Pigface continues calmly chewing his food without looking at anyone except that he and the old bloke exchange smiles. Fatten is sitting with a de dejected look on her face. A woman suddenly appears from somewhere who introduces herself as a journalist and asks her to say what had happened. But Fatun doesn't want to talk either to her or to security. I have no idea where the man she was shielding with her body has disappeared to. Tunti said later that he too had apparently been arrested. A black guy comes up and tells us that he too is willing to testify to what had happened when the police arrive. Fatun, never ever put yourself between men when they are fighting, says Tunti. No, ma'am. And Fatun raises her fingers to her temple in mock salute. I won't do it again, but we ought to get going. I don't want to think about it anymore. It's my own fault. I bought it in. Let him go. After all, he came here for something to eat, and look what happened. No, he's not simply going to go away, protests Tunti. He didn't even say he was sorry. I don't think his sorry would be enough, I say. Fatun, he hit you. You could have died. You could have hit your head. If you had ended up on the floor, he would obviously have kicked you. Beating a woman is quite normal for him. You want to be kind, but by letting him go, you are simply allowing him to beat others. Fatun make, makes a statement. A policewoman, a policewoman questions us and jots down our contact details. Fatun will be sent a letter with a report based on her allegations. She doesn't want to give her aunt's address so as not to scare her. What is the address of the student dorm where we live? Fatun is completely confused and can't recall it. I show the policewoman the page with the contact details of the college in my phone. It's possible that we will be questioned further with interpreters present who speak our language so that more detailed information can be obtained. What is our native language? The policeman, the policewoman writes down Somali.
Russian Arabic. And this is the end of the excerpt, and the translation is done by Jim Dingley, whom I very thankful for doing that. Hmm. Yeah, and this is a passage in the book. It yeah. Is your whole book translated to English yet? No, no not, not yet. yet. Okay. Yeah. I'll we have to wait for a while to read it in English then. I, I hope so, yeah. that it can happen yeah. someday. But could you read a passage also, a small passage in Belarusian? So we can hear your language. Yeah, I, I thought about reading this Transtromer poem yeah. <laughs> because it's short and you can have the idea. I think it's beautiful. I spent many hours tra translating these several sentences. 3 соковика 79 года. Стомлены промовами, словами, але без мовы. Бягуя на заснеженный востров. Дикая, немая слова. Несписанные сторонки повсюль разгорнулись. Зауважаю след, где шла козуля по снезе. Мова, а слова нема. The language, but there are no words. Beautiful. Thank you. Very beautiful. So now you speak Belarusian yeah. and Russian and English. And you're also a translator into from Swedish, mm. no, yeah, Swedish now to Belarusian, and Finnish to Belarusian. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Will there be more languages? Are <sighs> you planning to learn Norwegian, for instance? It's uh, it's uh, always very tempting yeah. to with the <laughs> languages for me, yeah. because when you are in Norway, it's tempting to start to learn Norwegian, and mm. I actually started to uh, to learn something. I, I try to read every day several pages from books in Norwegian. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're translating books into Belarusian, uh, what kind of books do you choose? How do you choose the books? Yeah, is, is this is not uh, a commercial thing, uh, translating books. Uh, now it starts to, to, to become a little bit commercial. But it wasn't like that. And it, in some way, it's also an advantage that you can start to translate what you li really like. Mm. Uh, for example, I started to translate Pugdestos um, uh, by Sophie Oksanin. Uh, um, I, I don't remember what is the English name for the book. It's uh, like... Uh, the purge, yes, exactly. Yeah. This is a purge. Um, because I think this is a very important book. It, for the Eastern Europe, the post-Soviet countries, I think everyone should read it. Mm. That's why, in, in spite of this book, it is very difficult for me to translate because the language is difficult and my level of Finnish is, uh, is low. But it, it takes me a lot of time to, to, to understand each passage. So I do it slowly, but I hope that I will finish the, uh, the translation. This is uh, how it happened. I read the book and, and then I thought the book is too difficult. I, I can't do that. But then I, I met Sophie Oxen in just in, in, in April this year. Mm -hmm. And we talked and uh, we decided that, yeah, I, 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 I will do that and then... I started to do the translation, but but then uh, now I a little bit set aside this translation because I have deadline for another translation. 
as a this was something nice that is going on that mm. the publisher wants to pay for the translation <laughs> so uh the Belarusian publisher uh proposed me to translate uh, uh the book from Swedish this is a detective by uh Stine Jackson a rising star in the uh, Swedish detective so it's called Silver Wagon the Silver Way Silver Road so now I very intensely work on it. <laughs> nice. It will be good times then for the Belarusian readers. I hope so. Coming here. Yeah, yeah. Because the translations, they, uh, translations, they also become part of Belarusian literature that I want people to read, mm. to be entertained. It's also a nice way to to involve people in reading. Uh, the language, because as far as I know, there is no Russian translation of this book. Um, and as for the Sophie Oxen, and I hope to do better translation than the Russian one, and then to to attract readers to read this very qu quality uh, literature. Good. I think I have to say thank you now because our time is out. But are there anyone in the audience? Having questions? No questions? Yes, one there. What's your future? This is work. <laughs> What's your future goal as a writer? As a writer? I didn't think about my future goal. I think it's very natural for me to live the way I I live to 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 write, and to t I I like to tell stories. If I feel that I cannot keep it in myself, I have to to tell. I have to write. So I hope that I will be able to do that, uh, and I'm happy about that. I feel this is something that for something for me to do. It doesn't matter if someone sees it as a, a successful uh, a career or something, but I, I, I think I'm happy about what I'm doing. Yes, one uh, more question. Uh, yes, I was thinking, how is um, like the situation for freedom of speech in Belarus today? Like, Do you feel that you can express yourself freely, or are you afraid of... Um, uh, oppression of any kind. Uh, I would say that um, it depends on w in what way you express yourself. Of course, as for the writer, I can write anything, but then I cannot distribute uh, uh, if it's something that goes against uh, official uh, rhetoric. And also, if people protest, they can be uh, they can get punishment, they can be put into prison, they can be fined, they can lose their jobs, which is very like often uh, again, something that can happen. That uh, you are not welcomed uh, to, you know, to to get a job. So how would you leave then? And, and th that stops people from protesting, many people. But some people protest anyway, if they are not agree, uh, they are not do not agree, so they do that. I was wondering, 
yesterday we, we were in the library listening to Doug Sulsta talking about his methods of writing and he said he writes a, a paragraph 20 or it can take him 20 to 30 days to write one paragraph and it seems to me like you work really fast and you, you said this book like you had to tell the story so I wanted to ask more about can you tell us more about your writing methods mm. I think that I, I work very slowly actually I I it also it takes me uh, a day to write as, as for the book I can write a third part of the word page just this is my day no, norm but if you are systematic if you work every day so finally you've you've got a book so it's just the the main thing is not to stop and i can write an article longer article like three pages in a day but this is article but this for the book you have to think a lot and some, sometimes I, I also make notes um, when I have, I, and I, I, I think that I have interesting thought or I'm inspired, so I, 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 I take notes. And sometimes it, the, these notes can develop into quite a big text, so I have many notes, many drafts, and then when I start to work on my book, I just sometimes I just get this draft and. It suits into the book, and I just edit, and then I feel that it's some kind of cheating. That I, I didn't work today, but actually I wrote that myself. So it, it's very strange that I think it to get my my own text <laughs> and to see it like cheating, but it it feels like that sometimes. But it's like that, yeah. Any more questions? No? Thank you very much, Elena. Thank you for questions. I hope you, you will enjoy the last days in Longyearbyen. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>